0: Welcome to Monuments and Movements. On today's episode, we discuss racism in the culture and the cultural push to be less white. Will this fix racism? Let's talk about it. Well, hey, welcome to the Monuments and Movements podcast, where we talk about culture and what you as an individual can do to help shape it. My name is Justin, and I'm here with my man, Kenny. Kenny, how you doing? Hey, hey. Back, Back at, at it again. again. Back at it. What's going on? Oh, you know, another exciting day, a lot of
1: exciting things to discuss. Yeah. Well, let's get to it. Let's do it. So, Coca-Cola diversity training.
0: Ooh, I've heard about that. A little article. I've heard just enough to want to talk about it.
1: A little article of ours, little friend of ours. Um, basically, Coca-Cola hosted or was part of a Be Less White training. Combating racism. So,
0: super exciting. I'm interested to hear (laughs) what Um, that entails.
1: Yeah, so I guess, uh, you know, a few of the slides in question urged uh, Coca-Cola employees to be less um, oppressive, less defensive, and and other things. Probably a list we'll we'll go into, but um, did you want to read the article from the Indian Express? You want me to go through it? you go for it all right so the indian express is kind of where we're getting our stuff from today um there's a lot of good articles on <laughs> uh, emphasis on good on this um but basically they're coca-cola promoting a reverse racism and anti-white kind of rhetoric and things going on um they urge employees to participate in a training to be less white um so the, Coca-Cola, I guess, you know, recently came under a bunch of fire for it, um, you know, shocker, yeah. uh, but the, the the one thing it kind of kicked off things because of a whistleblower, somebody inside on the train, you know, wh- that was watching the training kind of released these images uh, about confronting racism, understanding what it means to be white, <clears throat> and challenging what it means to be racist. Um so again the training was called Confronting Racism. It wasn't necessarily called How to Be Less White, but that's what a lot of people are calling it. Um it was actually it was held in association with American academic uh Robin D'Angelo. So she's actually the author of White Fragility, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism. Um so yeah like i said they they kind of urge people to be less oppressive, less ignorant, and all of these traits I guess that they associate with um with whiteness um, the They use terms like reverse racism, reverse discrimination um uh, and it kind of kind of goes on about about different things but um, I thought this was interesting to to kind of get get into uh, one of the things reading from the article, so one of the things that Uh, of the controversial training slides which sparked um you know sparked fires across the United States read this it says in the US and other western nations white people are socialized to feel that they are inherently superior because they are white Uh, another slide urged employees to again be less white less oppressive um listen to more uh believing and breaking with white solidarity um a bunch of YouTubers have already went over it. Um, the training is actually no longer available, so they took it down. It's that good, huh? It's that good? <laughs> um. So, yeah, there's a lot. There's. I know. I kind of just breezed through this article. Um, you can read it more if you want to read. If you guys actually want to read the article, um, at the Indian Express, um.
0: So there's a lot there. There's a lot there. <laughs> the Indian Express, that was a, a good choice. That was a good choice of all the people. Well, was that? A, that that's, that's a safe choice. Okay, so here. So let me, let me read a little paragraph from that article. The article says... Go ahead. A few of the slides in question urged Coca-Cola employees to be less oppressive, less defensive, and less ignorant in their dealings. It was allegedly sent to Coca-Cola staff to help build an inclusive workspace... So I actually have some some actual snapshots of the training, Mm -hmm. and I want to kind of get a little more specific as to what they mean by urging their employees to be less oppressive, less defensive, and less ignorant. Okay. So this is a direct quote, or this is direct materials taken from the training. To be less white is to be less oppressive, is to be less arrogant, is to be less certain, is to be less defensive, is to be less ignorant, to be more humble, to listen, to believe, to break with apathy, and to break with white solidarity. Right on, brother. So, I I just, I mean, I think it's important to note that the material doesn't say to be less racist, it says to be less white. Right. Is to do these. I I know the article kind of made it sound like It urged them to be less oppressive and less defensive. Right. But the way that the materials actually portrayed it and quite literally defined it was to be less white. It's to be less oppressive, to be less defensive, less ignorant. Ergo, being less white is being less racist. Yep. Wow, look at that. (laughs) Connecting all the dots here. I mean, If your math's right, (laughs) it's a transitive property. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I have that
1: privilege. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, like we were kind of talking before we we started recording. It's kind of part of this. Stepping back and looking at everything, it's kind of part of this. Um, you know, companies trying to be the most woke, and trying to be, I think that you know the, the, the most the, woke. The, Do people still use that term? I don't know. I just used it. Woke. Well, Maybe people are too woke to use the word <laughs> woke. Um, Maybe think, that word's offensive now. I think it's never mind. Not going to go there. Anyway, yep. I think you know the the, the Hodge twins kind of put it perfectly. They were talking about how, um, and I I think I kind of use this this kind of gauge it like w- when subjects like this come up or somebody says something about you know black people or white people or Mexicans or whoever. Um, kind of flip it on its head to see if if it's um like okay the hottest ones were just saying like okay imagine if this this whole talk was flipped and it was how to be less black like how <laughs> outright you know racist would would that would that be or how much more people would agree with the racism of that and um you know I think it's it's interesting. Um I don't know. What are your thoughts on it?
0: Before we dive. Well, okay, before even jumping into it, I mean, it, it just it doesn't really pass my straight face test. Yeah. When you have to have a whistleblower. I mean, why why should this information have to be communicated through a whistleblower? Why can't it just be like up online if you're a company yeah. that that's big that's that big or you're promoting an ideology like that? Right. I mean, they're promoting it. And they're they're pretty proud about it. The mm-hmm. anti-racist, you know, I, I can get on board with the anti-racism thing for sure. sure. Yeah. But, you know, the fact that you have to have a whistleblower. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just seems like a weird kind of training. If you got to have, whistle- if you're training every employee in your company to go through a process or to go through some sort of curriculum, but you can't have a whistle. I don't know. It just, it doesn't pass my my straight face test.
1: Yeah, it's almost like a joke, basically what you're saying. Like it's, it's kind of like a. I think when this first came out, it was. I, thinking back, I don't. I don't think I was even surprised <laughs> at this point. But yeah, almost thought it was like a Babylon B article.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, at one point, you know, I, I can't. I mean, I can blame Coca-Cola, but the culture right now is so. That that topic of of race and racism is so mm-hmm. hot right now. Yeah, that companies are doing whatever they can to compensate or even overcompensate if they have to, mm-hmm. just because they don't want to be on the wrong side of that one. Yeah, and you can see, as in with this case, you see a lot of overcompensation going on. Sure. And so I don't know what was was Coca Cola trying to be racist against white? I don't know. It seems when I read through that article, it seems like they didn't actually even really review the materials before. Yeah. (laughs) Because it was put on by LinkedIn. So the materials are actually supplied by LinkedIn. Mm. They kind of, I guess, registered to use their materials or licensed their their course. Coca-Cola didn't actually make the course. They just used it. But since then, LinkedIn has pulled it off their website. And they've, I mean, I don't know why. (laughs) Yeah. You know. So, you know, one thing I get it. You know, you definitely don't want that racist label on you these days, and it's very easy to get it. Sure. Uh, It it used to be you had to do something to be racist, but now you have to do something to prove you're not. Right. The table's kind of flipped, so... In that regard, I get it. You know, I get why they're doing it. I get that if they don't do it, you know, the culture's going to come after them. Yeah. Uh, Just unfortunately, they're now in a no-win situation where... You know, both sides of that coin. I don't. they they're in a lose lose at this point. I think so. Uh, so okay. Um,
1: how much of of stuff like this? Oh, so let's so okay. Coca Cola, we got it. Um, you're the wokest. Congratulations. <laughs> but uh, a little bit more than that. How how much? Okay, so there's. Because there, there are actually a lot of people where that 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 agree with this, I guess, theory of reverse racism that would agree with these, these teachings, yeah. Um, that would agree with with all of this, and um, I don't know that I see. I, I mean, it's a bummer that I'm even trying to like be careful with what I'm saying right now. Um, no, I my my point is this, like. Don't worry I'm black so you're
0: not going to offend me. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right. I don't know if in you're doing case, it for me or for in the that listeners. Case, um, <laughs> I could take it. it. But it's almost like
1: I don't know it's it just feels like a vicious cycle type of thing like this reverse racism is is inevitably going to become even more racist just not towards black people in a way. Yeah. Just, and I feel like this is very counterproductive to ending the fight against racism as a whole yes like it, it it's just and and the fact that there are you know and then going back to that whistleblower idea that the fact that somebody had to kind of you know come come co- come up and you know i won't say tattle but almost feel as if they were tattling on the company for a subject like this is is just ridiculous and i think it doesn't I mean, look, I would be just as outraged as if it was a company teaching people how to be less black or be less Indian, yeah, or be less Canadian. Like, it's um, in one in one uh, you know aspect. I I do believe like, okay, as a as a society, like we need to be able to take take a step back and like, all right, let's just laugh at this, everybody. Like, okay, yes, here's the line. This is too far. Um, you know, I do think we live in a very mixed. <laughs> a mixed uh city uh and i think you know hey different races do do, do funny things people do funny things for we we're talking about uh you know aunt jemima and, and uncle ben um yeah. we we're talking about uh just just different things you know food products and different you know reasons why different cultures store things in different ways you know it's just yeah people do funny stuff and um i i think in one area that needs to be celebrated but in another area this Things like this are just so counterproductive that it's, yeah, it's kind of like okay, come on, like here's the line in the sand that we have to. Let's all laugh about it. Let's, let uh, And and in in one aspect, I think that yes, white people haven't been oppressed and haven't been, you know, um, haven't. You can't necessarily compare this to racism towards black people. All the ra- the racism that black people have have had to endure for so long. Yeah. Um obviously you can't really you can't compare. It's apples to oranges, but still you can't deny that this is the class <laughs> on how to not be racist is in
0: fact racist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. You you know, you try so hard to prove you're not something and eventually you realize you know the reason you're trying so hard to prove it Right. I don't know, maybe there's a little hint of something there. But I, I think the real big problem, you know, is you know, racism is, is a real problem. You know, it's a real issue that pops its head up, you know, it has to be dealt with. But the problem is I feel like it is so miscategorized yeah. and misdefined and no one actually knows what the real problem is. Mm-hmm. You know, cause, I mean, for example, I mean, yeah, you got to be pretty out there to think, oh, I'm going to combat racism by telling people to be less white. Yeah. Now, I promote your cause, right? You know, if, if you study Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, right, they have, I mean, they're both pretty prominent yeah. leaders, if you will, sure. or symbols of the civil rights movement and mm-hmm. the fight to end racism. They have two very different ideologies that they come from. Uh, Malcolm X was, you know, what you'd call nationalist. Which is basically the idea. I mean, this is this is kind of getting more specific. I'm making this specific to America. Right. As he promoted the idea that, you know, America is systematically racist, inherently racist, and black people shouldn't want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. They should be separate. Right. Well, wow. M- Martin Luther King, you know, was a little more. I think it's integrationalist or integration. I forget the exact term. Mm-hmm. I, I read the book a while ago. I read a right. really cool book on martin luther king and malcolm x which is really interesting because i mean they're both pretty pretty interesting historical figures and they weren't nearly as opposed to each other as the media tried to make them be and sure. it, it you know it's really interesting to read about and to, to study but martin Luther king was a little more integrationalist who believed you know yeah america's racist but the best case scenario is that we join together right we work out our problems that we work out our vices and that together you know we rise above as brothers right two very different approaches you know and a lot of your approach is going to be based on your upbringing right based on what you were taught growing up mm. based on the environments that you're put in so you know there's a lot of different kind of aspects if you will or different approaches that people have towards racism right now how do you really solve it you know the only the only philosophy, the only sort of culture that's ever been able to solve the race problem or, you know, the only way of life, the only way of thinking has been Christianity, Mm -hmm. right? The Word of God, Bible. right? You know, when the Bible has been applied legitimately, you see people becoming more loving, more accepting. I don't mean when it's falsely applied, like, you know, back during Jim Crow era where they used the Bible... You know, as a weapon. Right, right. Right to promote you know, you can even go back and you can see pictures of, you know, KKK members in church holding signs that say Jesus saves. Right. You know, that that's illegitimately manipulating God's yeah. word to get an agenda. But when wow. the word of God is legitimately applied mm-hmm. and when it's legitimately sown in people's hearts, mm-hmm. right, and it takes root, it changes people's lives. That's why in the right. civil rights movement, you know, the biggest advances didn't come from the government, they came mm-hmm. from churches. Mm-hmm. Martin Luther King he wasn't just a civil rights leader. That was further down his list on his resume. Right. First, he was a father and a husband. Next, he was a pastor. Mm-hmm. Pastor of Ebenezer Bible, blah, blah, blah. Ebenezer Baptist mm-hmm. Church. He was a pastor. He was a preacher. You know, he preached the word of God and he applied the word of God to all of his social activism, right. all of his politics, everything he stood for. Now, I know a lot of people like to quote Martin Luther King. To be honest, if you were around today, people would strongly disagree and oppose him, because mm. he would say a lot of th- things that just today aren't popular. Wow. That wouldn't be considered popular today. And yeah. we look at it in uh, in a historical context, we're like, yeah, that sounds right, but if he were to actually come preach it today, I think he would be rejected. Sure. Um, You know, but Martin Luther King, you know, he, he sought God and he applied the Word of God to the situation. Wow. You ever heard of, of Brown versus the Board of Education? Yeah. Right. That is the court case that allowed basically integration in schools so black kids could start going to white schools mm-hmm. or black kids could just start going to school, period, because you know they were excluded from the public school system. Right, right. Now, the case the Supreme... Remember
1: Qu- the Titan style.
0: Exactly. Yeah. We should watch that movie again. Yeah. But Brown versus the Board of Education. Brown was actually Reverend Oliver Brown. Mm-hmm. He was a meth, I believe a Methodist, either Methodist or Episcopalian, I can't remember. Uh-huh. But he was a pastor. Right. Right. He wow. saw the injustice and stood up and did something about it. He didn't just sit behind his yeah. pulpit and preach about it. Yeah. But he went out in the streets and did wow. it. And I mean, you look at most of these big movements, I mean, I, I could list these for days, but they've always come, you know, when people have taken the word of God, right. you know, when Christians have risen up in truth, right? Not manipulated, not manipulated truth. To try to accommodate the culture, you know, manipulating the Bible to kind of suit your world view. But when they took the Bible for what it said and applied it, it changed society for the better. Mm -hmm. But what happened was after that, you know, once we kind of got the civil rights going and once, you know, Martin Luther King was assassinated, what happened was the church kind of passed the reins of leadership in that movement to the government. Mm -hmm. They passed it. To the government who said, hey, you know, we're going to come help you, we're going to give you guys, you know, reparations, we're going to give you guys, well, I guess they didn't give reparations, Um, you know, but, you know, the government tried to overcompensate once again, and historically, you know, I get that a lot of government leaders want to help the black community, but black Americans have always gotten the worst deals from our government, Yeah, 100%, you know, no matter how good they look, they've always screwed us over. Yeah. And so we've passed the church, you know, back then they passed the reins to the government, they passed mm-hmm. it to Hollywood, to celebrity culture, and they took a hold of it. Now, yeah, you know, they don't live by God's standard. They don't live by the word of God, mm-hmm. right? They actually quite oppose it. And so now you see that the leadership of solving this problem has been put in hands that aren't qualified. Right. The government's not qualified to fix this problem. Hollywood culture is not qualified to fix this problem. This is what happens (laughs) when that culture—you get anti-white. Yeah, it's—it's like it doesn't even make sense. I mean, if if you're if you're upset if you've been hurt by racism and you have the mentality that whites are evil, well then yeah, you're probably on board with this 100%. Yeah, but you can't logically look at me and say the way to battle and combat racism is to get people to be less white. Yeah, I mean that doesn't even. Right, we're talking about the straight face test,
1: right? And and I think you know, <clears throat> you, just logically thinking about it, and also, I mean, spiritually looking at it, um, you know, Jesus broke broke societal laws, rules, mm-hmm. um, the rules that, that that my favorite story is, and I've probably mentioned this on one of the the podcasts we talked about before, uh, I think, but. You know, one of my favorite stories, um, especially now, is so culturally culturally relevant. I mean, they all are, but is uh, is Jesus and, and the woman at the well? Mm-hmm. And the thing about that story is, Jesus go, Jesus go. It, it, it's, the Bible specifically mentions the time that Jesus is out, and it's it's about midday. And the reason why that's important is because it, it was midday, and nobody, who was anybody, was going to be out in the middle of the the Middle East when it's the, the sun is the hottest in the middle of the day nobody's going to be out getting water everybody's going to be seeking cover everybody's going to be inside on their lunch break whatever um the only people that were out and about were people who couldn't normally associate inside of the societal society the socially acceptable uh ramifications I guess to say so right. the reason why this story is important is because there's a Samaritan woman and she was labeled for many reasons but um jesus gets into she, you know she wasn't meant to be associating with with the jewish people let alone a rabbi like jesus and jesus breaks the, the the rules and he goes out and he talks to her and and um you know finds out that she's
0: she's in sin and and all of these things but and it's a big deal that jesus wants to talk to it's her. it's a huge deal it, you know a lot of times i read that is oh you know just a samaritan woman what's the big right. deal Think back to when a black kid couldn't go to a white school, right? That's like a degree below what the race kind of yeah. climate, the racial yeah. climate was back then. Yeah. Like that was like a no no. Like yeah. those cultures didn't talk,
1: and let alone like Jesus was the, the <laughs> most Jewish of Jewish people. He was a rabbi. Yep. You know, he was not only was this lady talking to just a random Jewish person who mm-hmm. she, she wasn't able to talk to, yeah, and the Jews weren't able. Excuse me, they weren't able to talk to her, but she was especially not supposed to talk to a rabbi, to a holy person, yep. right? And that's what's so amazing about the Bible is when I say logically looking at something like this, about how people are trying to combat quote-unquote racism, um, is by singling out a specific race or color of people like this, um, isn't going to work. It, and Jesus included everybody in the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, he included That's what's amazing about the gospels. It's, it's all inclusive. And when you look at stories like that and, um, compared to what people are doing now, what this, the seminars, it's not gonna, it's not bringing people together, you know? And like, let's be real. Jesus people, you know, Jesus knew what he was doing when he was talking to that, that woman. Yeah. His disciples even tried to shoo her away. Um, He he knew what he was doing by doing that. He knew what the 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 ripple effect that it would add to all of society if he broke those rules, if he broke those social norms, and by including everybody. And that's the story of the gospel: is that before it was an exclusive thing, but because of Jesus Christ, and now it's an all inclusive thing. and And you know, like it or not, like racism is a very spiritual thing. Uh, And with that being said. Uh, America is is a very unique place. Like, let's be real. America is super unique. Um, mm-hmm.
0: I mean, you've been to China. How diverse is China? Not very diverse. And to tell you what, I would r- much rather be a minority here than in China. <laughs> One of these days, we'll get Justin <laughs> to tell the China story. Yeah. Um, if we ever run out of material. If we
1: ever. um but, you know, my point in bringing that up is that, you know, hey, America's a melting pot. We know that. We've we've all been told that growing up. But it's so unique in that you have all these different cultures that live together. I mean, there's so many different cultures in where we live alone. Yeah. So many different cultures, so many different races and people of different colors. And it's amazing. It's beautiful. And with that, people, you know, they they celebrate who they are. They celebrate the things that cooking and, and things they say and things they do Um they celebrate it, and with that, it, yeah, okay, of course, uh, I'm not gonna, you know, sugarcoat it. That people, yeah, hey, it, it's pretty obvious who's who, who, who's what yeah. race. You can't act like you don't. You don't necessarily. I, I don't really like when people say, "Oh, I, I, don't see race." I mean, I get maybe what what you mean. Yeah, but it, it's not like
0: the goal. You, the goal is not to be the same. The goal is right. to be one. Right, and there's a there's a big. When You have to step back, and I, I guess whenever
1: something looks like it's it's too divisive, it probably is. <laughs> um, and that's yeah. not the goal of ending racism, is to be more divisive. It's to just chop off a whole chunk of pe- people group who we
0: claim is responsible for all of racism. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, the cure to racism isn't going to be pointing fingers. Mm-hmm. You know, historically... You know, especially several decades ago, for centuries, black people were treated very poorly mm-hmm. by white people. Right. And that's putting it kind of mildly. Right. Right? That was then, this is now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a culture, I still understand that a lot of the black culture hasn't been able to move on from that. And, sure, there's still a lot of problems that exist in the black community because yeah. of those things. But at the end of the day, if you want the problem to be solved, you have to want to turn the page. Right. You kind of think it's a tipping scale, right? Oh, you know, well, the white people oppressed us for so many years, you know, all right, now it's back at them. Let's get them back. Uh, that that might satisfy some sort of kind of desire, you know, in your heart. But that's not going to solve the problem. Right, right, right. What I was going to solve the problem. Is stop pointing the fingers. Figure out how to make this work together. Yeah. And I'm just going to be real. You know, I... My personal belief, I don't believe that white people being less white is going to do anything to address racism. (laughs) It might actually make it worse, (laughs) in my opinion. I mean, I didn't mean that as a funny statement, but (laughs) when you say it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, I think think that story that you shared is a really helpful uh, model of what it can look like to combat racism. I mean, really, racism is the issue here. Right. You know, how do you address racism and th- this whole be less white thing? You know, it's that's not the way.
1: So so let me ask you a question kind of a little bit more, you know, a little closer to home is um how. I'm an open book. <laughs> how? Um, OK, do you think this kind of lends to a. You've talked about this a lot. Um, over the, the time that I've known you and heard you speak, you've you've always kind of brought up this idea of um, you mentioned earlier self fulfilling. You mentioned earlier uh, self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Um, you've also talked about before. I, I've heard you discuss you know growing up in in a black household. Um, sometimes either and different cultures do this as well, but. You're told, yeah, and and we we're talking about that's what we we're talking about, police brutality. And you said you sometimes you grow up, and especially black households, you have the talk, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you're kind of in one aspect, you grow up being told that police are this way, being told that things are this way, and and it's a self fulfilling prophecy um, in a way. Do you think that this kind of lends to that type of thing with how people view whiteness and racism, if 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 a lot of kids, um, you know, already think that it's it, th- this th- this type of thing is going on, did you get the question I'm trying to frame? Do you think this kind of lends itself to a, you know, you're expecting white people to be this way, or you're expecting that racism is this way, you've been told that all your life, yeah. So it's kind of a self fulfilling prophecy in a way.
0: Yeah, you know, I I think I understand what you're asking, and I guess what what I would say is that. If you're white, a lot of white people don't know how to address racism. Right. A lot of them have never experienced it. A lot of them have never, you know, interacted in that kind of realm before. Mm. And I get that, especially when you hear stories about people who've experienced racism or when you study American history. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can understand how you being disconnected from something, but hearing what your people, quote, your people yeah. have done... I can understand that discomfort and you being like, well, what can I do? You know, yeah. to the point where you're willing to do anything mm-hmm. to be like, look, I want to help. I want to contribute to that situation. You know, so I guess to my white friends, I would say, uh, you being less white isn't going to fix the race problem. Yeah. You being less white isn't going to atone for the centuries, you know, of oppression that black people faced. hmm You being less white isn't going to help, you know, the the African-American community move forward. Mm -hmm. And I would say this to African-Americans. The white community is not going to solve racism. Yeah. And I would say this to white Americans. I'm I'm bouncing back and forth now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. White Americans. The black community is not going to solve racism. Mm -hmm. Who's going to solve racism? Right. We've all got to solve it. Yeah. And so this whole idea of, you know, being taught, you know, like you said, when you're, you're brought up to believe that, you know, being white, for example, is a bad thing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, I can't choose the way that someone sees me or views right. me. I mean, obviously as a person and in my character, I can do things to influence the way people see me, but when mm-hmm. it comes to the color of my skin, yeah, there's very little I can do to change what someone thinks about me. Yeah. But I'll tell you what I have a tremendous amount of power over is how I view other people. Mm-hmm. As a person of color, I have a tremendous amount of control of how I view white people. Yeah, I've been presented with many different mm. ideas. I've been presented with some that have said, you know, the white man is the enemy. Don't trust the white man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just being real. You know, growing yeah. up, that's those are some, some things I've heard from, you know, different people I've hung sure. out with. Uh, Not necessarily for my family, but just coming up with my black friends. And, you know, Mm. just that that is an idea that's out there. Mm. You know, likewise, I've heard, you know, like you were saying earlier, you know, there is no color. We're colorblind. You know, we're all the human race. Yeah. And so there's a lot of ideas out there and I can't control how someone else views me. But I can control how I view people. And if I can get that right. In my life, right, the way that I view my my black brothers and sisters, my white brothers and sisters, my Asian brothers and sisters, my Latino brothers and sisters, see, if I fix that in my heart, well, now I'm part of the solution. Yeah. Same with white people. You know, if you view yourself as being, you know, if you view yourself as just because you're white, you're like, you need to apologize, You're yeah. you're not being part of the solution. Yeah. Don't apologize for being white. You know, I get that that's, that's a huge ideology that's being passed around right now. You don't have to apologize for being white. Like, I would never look at a white kid and tell him, hey, you need to apologize for being born white. Right. I, I just, I can't even, like, that doesn't even make sense. Yeah, yeah. Right? Logically, spiritually, almost sure. I just, I can't, I mean, would you go say that to a white kid? Yeah, no, no. yeah. But when he grows up, all of a sudden, now it's a problem. Yeah. No, if he grows up and it's a problem, it's because of the worldview that was presented to him. Mm, yeah. Right. But even then, it might be challenging, but at the end of the day, you still have the power to believe what you want to believe. Yeah. And so to our white friends listening, I get, I don't know how we kind of got here, but you know, you want to solve the race problem, change the way you look at people. Yeah. Right. Fix that. Fix your heart. You know, do you look at someone, do you think less of someone because of the way they look or... The truth is, when it comes to racism and color, it's not really about color as much as it is culture. Right. You know, when they talk about, you know, people really being, for example, they talk about, you know, whites who show racism towards blacks. I personally don't believe that the issue is actually the color of the skin. I believe it. Nowadays, the real issue is the culture. Yeah. You know, the, it, it's a cultural difference rather than an actual physical color mm. difference. If I think of less of someone because of their culture. Sure. Well, then problems me. So check yourself check your heart
1: so, so I guess as we you know uh, before we zoom out and kind of give give everybody that you know our, our classic applicable our mm-hmm. points yeah Um, you know it, here's here's a thought I, I just had as you were saying that you know we're talking about because there's, there's there's honestly I mean I don't feel bad for the color of my skin if I have friends who've been confused as, as to what race I am my whole life like good <laughs> keep it that way um, you can blend in you
0: know, whatever circles you
1: want, whatever chameleon, man. Um, I don't feel bad, you know, um, uh, cause I don't think that has anything to do with how I love people. Yeah. With how I don't hate people, which is what racism is, is, is hate, um, in general. But I also think, you know, here's, there's probably a lot of people who are white or now are confused about their whiteness or confused <laughs> about the color of their skin. Should I apologize? Should I, like, I don't know. Have you ever had anybody, what would you do if somebody came up to you and apologized for being white? Like, what do you even say to that? Like, cause I'm sure it's a what very, I, what I league. would
0: personally say to that. So if someone came up to me and apologized for being white. I would let them know. Number one, stop apologizing. You don't need to apologize. Number two, get some self-respect, some self-identity. Yeah. Right, if you're apologizing for being white, that's that's signs of a very weak identity, very mm. weak philosophy. You don't need to apologize. Your whiteness does not affect me at all. Right, if the color of someone's skin affects you and your livelihood, that's you're racist that's, for even <laughs> thinking that the color <laughs> of your skin could do that. Uh, if, if someone's color, if the color of someone's skin or someone's culture affects your life and your livelihood, then problems in your camp that's not a um, problem that after, can fix. i'll give you this little
1: weird thought i've had okay i grew up hey lock your doors put your bikes away <laughs> those are the neighborhoods i
0: grew up in don't stand up by your window after 6 p.m the neighborhood i grew up in okay
1: <laughs> i still get made fun of my by my friends to this day they're like dude why are you locking
0: your door yeah everybody like all of us are in your house why is the door locked <laughs> Do you slice your registration tags on your car? <laughs> <laughs> We've had this talk. Oh, we uh, have. Okay.
1: <laughs> um, you know, and, and so, but then here's here's the thing where where even I've gotten warped, I guess at some points in this thing, you know, I'm I lock my my car all the time immediately after I don't care where I am, I'm hitting the clicker three, four, five times. That's just how I was raised. Yeah. Um. Now here's a weird thought I've had before. Walking away from my car, and I notice that there's not necessarily a black person or a brown person, or maybe it was a shady looking person in general. Not necessarily that, not necessarily. See, now I have to clarify that not a, a black person isn't a shady looking person or a Mexican person or any kind of. Anyway, my point is this there's an individual walking by my car, I think twice about hitting that lock button when they're around because I don't want them to think that I'm locking my car just because they're walking by it. Do you get what I'm saying? And then I'm like, oh, that's a racist thought for even thinking (laughs) that they would think that I thought, you know what I mean?
0: You're trying to overcompensate.
1: And then it's just like, this is dumb. Um, I'm locking my car because I lock my car. (laughs) And um, my point is that those are the real kind of thoughts that people have and that's yeah. what the causes that all the i guess the convoluted just mush of ah, you know with all of this because then it just starts to it's just cycle man like what do you um uh, i don't know it, it's just so I, yeah i have had thoughts like that but then i'm like no this is dumb like yeah i'm not uh i if if anybody knows me they know i don't hate people regardless of color of skin like i don't i,
0: I know jesus a little bit more than that you know Um, I think naturally based off of where you come from, where you grew up, everyone's going to have some sort of, I I wouldn't even call it a a prejudice. I'd call it more of just like a kind of ingrained stereotype, if you will. And, you know, I think that's just a byproduct of growing up in any sort of culture. Right. And I think it is important, yeah, to notice it, to challenge it and to try to correct it for sure, but... All right, so application. What do you do practically? What can we do? Obviously, Coca-Cola company tried to use LinkedIn's critical race theory to solve the race problem, and it seems like it is backfiring and Mm -hmm. is not working. So what can we do as individuals? Because this podcast is really about individuals being the ones that change the culture. Sure. And so actually, I think there's a lesson that we can take from that story that you shared about Jesus and the woman at the well. Mm Mm-hmm. And what I would say a very practical thing that the listener can do, go find someone who looks different than you.
1: Mm.
0: You share your life experience with them. You listen to their life experience. Then together, go serve someone who's less fortunate than you. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. I guarantee you if everyone did that, racism would be done in like a month. Yeah. (laughs) Serious. Super true. No, for sure. That's literally what Jesus did, right? Mm -hmm. He went to that Samaritan woman. He shared a little bit about himself. She shared a little bit of her life. They had a moment. Then she even went and got her friends, and I mean, they all got saved. Yeah. Right, but, you know, Jesus shared himself with her. She shared herself with him. And then they went and they served the rest of the community. Yeah. Right, and that community was changed. Yeah. And racism, literally racism, was dealt with that day. Right. Wow. In that community. So... Go out and love someone, man. Go out, love them, serve them, and if you feel like you have a bias towards them, invite them over for dinner. Learn about them, and then go find a way to serve someone else. Yeah. Number two. you Got to control what you think. Yeah. You know, if there's a if there's a perspective you have about whites or blacks or Latinos, Asian, whatever culture, you can you're the only one that could be the solution. Don't expect someone else to solve the problem. Yeah. Definitely. So
1: yeah. Hey, I mean on another note, if you guys do have any questions, um things you want us to talk about, things you want us to clear up, I we haven't really talked about this, but maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe we get enough questions, enough comments, maybe once a month we can do a let's answer questions. Ooh, a Q and A podcast. Yeah. Um, whether, you know, these videos end up on YouTube or if you just follow us on our Instagram or whatever social media is, um, shoot us questions or in the comment sections of if we post these videos or and whatnot and, um, you know, we'll weed through and, and answer them and it depends how many questions we get. But maybe we could do it once a month or every other month, just question fest. Um, yep. It would be pretty cool. So think about that. Send us your questions
0: and thoughts. Cool. Yeah, we'll do that and maybe we'll post some like Instagram, those those cool little questions people post on their yeah. stories. Yeah,
1: polls and stuff. Yeah, some
0: polls. That's what there all the go. kids are doing. That's what all the cool kids are doing. <laughs> Well, hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Monuments and Movements podcast. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe and give us a like, give us a five-star ratings. Uh, it really helps us a lot. gmail.com if you have any questions. Otherwise, you know, we'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Peace.